the story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. What's going on? What's going on, Ranger Proud? Steve, Carl, Glenn is with us. What's up, RP? How you doing, man? I'm doing very well. What's going on, guys? Uh, nothing much, man. Uh, all-star break, and, uh, you know, you lead the way. Uh, I got my notes and, and my points, and looking forward to how uh, the conversation is going to go tonight. Man, How are you doing today? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Just getting, my, uh, getting my, my notes here together. I'm running around a little bit today. Sorry about that. But things are going well. Uh, before we start, I hate the all-star break. I hate the all-star format, and there's not much more to say about that. It's the only all-star game, guys, that does not consist of a regular sports game. This three-on-three, four-team shootout is just crap. It's just not hockey. I mean, I'd rather watch the NBA West beat the East 156-152 and at least you know it was a regular basketball game, you know, or even the Pro Bowl. It's a regular basketball or football game. This is just, oh, God, I'm so disappointed in the All-Star game. I've written about it for years about it. So that, that's my little vent. How's it going, Carl? Let's get Carl on. Let's get Glenn on. What's going on, guys? Good evening. It has been a long time. I miss you all. Happy New yes, Year. It has. <laughs> Happy, Happy New Year. New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Statue of limitations is that you can't use that anymore now. You got tomorrow, so you know. I think today's the last day, so we finally get it out of the way. Very nice. Glenn's with us. Glenn, you're there. Yep. So, well, for, well, I'm I'm in a little bit of a hockey and fall withdrawal right now. There's not much going on at all. Um, you know. Uh, but uh, I want to give kudos. I want to give kudos to uh, Rodney. Uh, I mean Steve, uh, with the uh, with the <laughs> the intro. That he, uh, I, I think you covered everything that we were talking about last week. So that's an awesome job by you, Steve. Um, and uh, I'm I'm happy. Welcome back, Carl. It has been a while, and uh, whenever you're on, it's always a special and interesting. Uh, hour, so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what you have to say. I appreciate it. I not, do have questions not... for everybody since I have been away for a while. So I have questions that have come about since the last time I talked to you all that hopefully you guys can all provide some answers to. Uh-oh. Sounds like it's going to be a mm-hmm. tough night. Let me light a cigar. Hold on. <laughs> is it is it multiple <laughs> choice, Carl? Is it multiple choice, or do we have to write an essay? One of oh, the questions actually is. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, now we've we uh, got another movie for the intro next week. <laughs> there we go. Bet, bet. And, and Steve, how are you? Have you been traveling anywhere? Have you gone anywhere? Did you go over the Giants losing? Did we watch football this weekend? What's going um, on, bro? 
Yeah, you know, as far as the football side. Uh, oh, man, I got a question for all you guys, man. I was going bananas on Sunday. 34th Street, Empire uh, State Building, lighting that uh, in Eagles uh, Green. Uh, <laughs> RP, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad you – I actually was going to ask that later, but I'll ask you now. I'm still not over that shit. So, RP, would if the Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Rangers in a game seven, do you imagine how – the Empire State Building would have been lit up in penguins colors. On the on, on, we might have on just gone there and we probably just had to go there and burn it down if we did that. I, I'm with that. Let me tell I you am that. with that. You don't do that. I uh, you don't you don't do that. And they were they were trying to be cute afterwards when they after the uh, blah, 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 excuse the Chiefs game yeah after the Chiefs won. Thank you. I couldn't get it out. After the Chiefs won, they changed colors to the Chiefs and they put. That hurt us more than you guys know, but by then it was too late. <laughs> by then it was like, no, it didn't hurt us. It didn't hurt you more than it hurt us. Let me tell you. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a very odd thing to do. I don't, I don't get it, especially that they beat us last weekend. Why would you even go there? But yeah, someone had a bright idea, and you know. Everyone's kind of that, I mean, like a holes. Everyone's got one. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like 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 it's like Carl and I are Yankee fans, right? That's like saying if the Red Sox beat us, they're gonna light up that building yeah. in Red Sox colors. If you're yeah. a Mets fan, yeah. what's the equivalent? What the uh, the Braves maybe or oh. Braves probably. Well, yeah, I, like, I, like, I, you I, want I, like red colors. That's a great analogy. This, but. There was something I, I have to find this story, but there was a something that was out there that I guess a couple of years ago they lit up the Empire State Building orange when the Astros won the World Series. Apparently, you can contract that out. I did not yeah. know this. Yes, mm-hmm. but if you can do that, like that, like you know, I thought about that after on Sunday. I was like, you know what? That's one hell of a troll job. If, there, if, that, was, if that came from somebody in Philadelphia, I'm like, you know what? That's to get somebody to do that. I'm like, I'll, I, I, you know, I probably would have paid money to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you you can yeah. do that. You can petition and and pay to have the colors for. It has to be approved. Uh, but I don't know if you guys heard, you know, anything about what was behind that. I did hear some rumor that uh, 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 somebody that used to be on Barstool uh, is involved with the Empire State Building in some way now, and 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 the, I don't even know the name of the person, but. Uh, they, they they were used to kind of stirring up controversy uh, to get likes and stuff like yeah. that. So I that's heard possible. there was some kind of connection there. I, I don't know if that's true or not. But, I mean, I thought it was a disgrace when I saw it. And even today, um, I, I was in the car listening to the radio, and there was some one of those sports shorts, and I don't remember who it was uh, that said it, and they were talking about oh, the Empire State Building and Philly and everything, and they were like, uh, it's time to move on, New York. And I was yelling at the radio. I was like, no, it's not time to move on. Why is it time? Explain to me why it's time to move on. <laughs> so I'm still not over it today either. I'm still aggravated about it. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I couldn't yeah. wait to ask that question from a hockey perspective, RP. Like if, if the Rangers lost, if they would have lit it in Penguins colors or Capitals colors. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it probably wouldn't oh, matter God. if it was the Islanders or even the Devils. But it had to be somebody Flyers, outside. A little oh, further out, right? Flyers, Boston, the, Bay, the Bruins, but definitely something like Pittsburgh, because nobody <laughs> really likes Crosby. That you know, even the, the the early '90s Penguins teams, like Ranger fans, don't even respect. 
uh, a lot of uh, the the, uh, the decorum from the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I feel like they were like almost the equivalent of almost saying the Eagles or the Red Sox or even the Astros. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm still bothered by that, man. Like that, 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 that pissed what? me off. <laughs> I gotta give you. I gotta well, give you one more on, on, me. on this topic. I I gotta give you one more thing. The New York City Sanitation probably had the best tweet of the night. I saw once that. they I saw, saw that they put for anyone who finds this as treacherous. Uh, I don't have my glasses on and unforgivable as we do. Just pretend it's green and white for the DSNY. We take out the trash every day, and next year that'll include the Eagles. <laughs> I enjoyed that comment. <laughs> that that did make me love that. Yeah. Man, man, for thirty five years. I, I enjoyed that comment. <laughs> love that. Love that. I mean, the point of it really more, is more than anything else that, first of all, it's, it's I mean, you can flip a coin between the Eagles and the, and the Dallas Cowboys uh, as being the, the Giants' biggest rival. But then the other part of it is, too, just the fact that it's Philly. Uh, I mean, yes. New York hates Philly. Philly hates New York. We're not supposed to be doing nice, courteous things for each other. And, uh, I mean, I think that's what made it even worse, that it was that it was Philly. If it was any other, uh, maybe for Yankee fans, Boston. But um, I was much more outraged uh, than I would have been if it was, like, you know, being a Mets fan, something for the Braves. Um, I, mm-hmm. I thought that was just outrageous. What, what I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I agree with you, man. Yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> so RP, uh, where right, do you want to go uh, as far as the conversation tonight? You know, as from the Toronto game, uh, the uh, Vegas game. Because I actually you know, have questions I mean, for you guys on that. We, we can we can do a little bit of recap on on the last two games. I really wanted to lean a little bit towards. Uh, okay. I hate to do trade rumors, but there's a lot going on. So I thought we can go after we go over a recap. We'll. Uh, yep. Well, let's talk about the last two games. Uh, we dropped since we last spoke. We dropped that three to two loss to Toronto in overtime, and then a pretty strong game against the Golden Knights at home four one to uh, round out our bye All Star nine day off break. So, uh, who would like to start talking about these two lovely hockey games? I I, I don't mind. Oh, man, let's go to Carl. We haven't heard from Carl in a while, and then, you know, I'll jump in. But I have a question for all you guys between those two games. Go ahead, Carl. What you got for us, buddy? Yeah, so the game against Toronto, I actually thought they were lucky to get that game into overtime. I thought they were just Mm -hmm. hopefully outplayed. And so that's kind of like one of those games, like, you know, you look in the 82-game season, you're like, man, you know, if we ever stole this one, you know, hey, that's two points we probably didn't expect. But, you know, instead they got, you know, they lost in overtime. So, you know, kind of, you know, it happens. You know, they, I won't say they earned their fate, but, you know what, they didn't play well enough to win on Wednesday night up there. And then Friday night to kind of cap off the last game of the, of the I guess, first half, I guess you could put it. I thought they played okay. Um, I did not think they played well. And I think um, in, in sort of the last, you know, the last time I spoke with you, it's been about, what, about a 30, almost about 25-game example. And I, it kind of has got me wondering, are the Rangers playing well or are they just getting better bounces than they got in the first 20 games of the season? Um, I been trying to, and I looked at, I, have, you know, I ran, I went to the lab, and I was kind of wondering, I'm, and I keep, 
I haven't come to a conclusion just yet. But well, as the course of the show goes on, we can we can discuss it. Yeah, that you know, really quick on that call, I I don't think they played great hockey all year, and I think when they played better teams, a lot of their flaws really come out. The yeah. Toronto game, the Boston game. Hell, even the flat game against Montreal, which isn't a good team. You, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, I, what you were saying, I, I think it's 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 more than bad bounces. I, I just don't think it's great hockey, and I think the Rangers are a little lucky to be sitting in the position that they're sitting in. So what do you think, Glenn? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think they played well uh, that well in the Toronto game to win that game. I thought they were outplayed. However when you're four minutes from uh, from the end, it, it's still a tough pill to swallow because you're getting that close. And, you know, then to have them turn it right around. I mean, Toronto scored what, about four minutes left. And then uh, to lose in overtime, uh, you know, it's, it's still a tough pill to swallow. But I thought Toronto outplayed them in that game. Uh, the Vegas game, to be honest with you, Halak looked like uh, Igor. I thought uh, – yeah. You know, Halak really kept them in that game. Not that they were playing that badly, uh, but they could have been losing that game by a couple of goals. And I thought Halak had probably his best game of the season. Uh, And then, obviously, they were able to tack on a couple of late goals to make it look like it was, you know, uh, a little more of a a dominating game. But uh, I think both of the games since we spoke last, and, and even going back to the Florida game, that they won, you know, we remember the coach had some comments that he really wasn't happy with the way they played in that game either. Uh, so, no, I think it's been kind of a kind of a choppy week. I mean, they, like you said, they're kind of lucky. They got five out of six points uh, in those three games last week, but they didn't really play particularly well in, in any of them. So, uh, you know, we'll see when they come back from the All-Star break, what the lines look like, who's playing with who, and, uh, you know, kind of go from there and see if they can uh, find something. And Steve? I'm glad that Carl said what he said and Glenn said what he said because it alludes to my question for everybody because it's actually leading up to my question. From the transition from the Toronto game to the Vegas game, this is what I noticed. When the Rangers are not as playing, you know, when they're not playing well, right? Gallant, and we talk about it all year, RP, you guys been on it, about the line changes. So I looked at it very closely as far as the combinations Gallant was using in that Toronto game, especially coming out of the first period when they were really flat. So the, so the question is, is Gallant going through a lot of line changes when they feel like they're being, not only just being outplayed, but just trying to, trying to get something on track? For instance, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, Toronto game, uh, VC, his combination, uh, who he was paired with, Zabinajad and Panarin, 14% of the time. You look at who he was paired up the other time, a little bit over, a little under 10% with Trocek and Goodrow. So it looked like to me, if Gallant, I mean, you, I want you guys to answer this question. Do you believe that Gallant's only looking at these line combination changes when they're coming out flat? Or is it something more than that? Because when you play Vegas, there was literally no line changes for most of the game. Most of this game, 
was predominantly the same four lines. For like I say like ninety five, nine percent of the four lines that he used. It was Zabenajat was with Panera with BC. Hito was with Lafreniere and Kako as normal. They they were the most consistent line in both those games. And then Trochez Kreider and Gaudreau. And then, and then you know the fourth line. So that's my question to you, RB. How do you feel about Gallant's strategy depending in game on trying to go to these line changes versus where you saw Vegas where you guys didn't say they didn't play well, but they didn't feel like Vegas was the threat. They just kind of handled them even with a backup goalie. And how are your thoughts about that, RP? I, I'm, of course, when they're when they're not gelling, he, he's going he's been making changes. I think he makes changes a little bit too early in the period, but I think that goes back to I think we all look at it as a three man unit. You know, the first line, the second line, the third line. I think he doesn't like the way the lines are playing with the defense of a five man unit. I think they were a very poor defensive team. So now you're not getting offensive opportunities, and then he sees the other team getting grade A chances. And you really can't do much with the defenseman. And the defenseman, in my opinion, the, the three pairings have played well. Uh, Harper's played very well. They just gave him the seal extension. I, I think the D-men are, are playing to their, to their potential. They're playing well. I think at five-man units, they have not playing smart defense. And I think he's trying not to get goals against early in the game and then we're, you know, now, now we're fighting back the whole time. And I think he tends to jump the gun a little bit. And, and try to change things up. I also think, and this may sound crazy, I don't think the Trocheck signing his workout the way the uh-huh. organization was hoping it would work out. Um, he did not play well with Panarin, which everyone thought he was just going to jump in for Strom. Kreider is not on the pace he was on last year, even though he was injured. And I, I think they're missing another top six forward. I'm, I'm sure they're missing another top six forward. Uh-huh. And I think Galant's going to keep changing his lines until he's happy either with a five-man unit defensively where at least he knows, all right, I can keep the puck out of my net a little bit more often or until he can find a combo that can consistently put pressure on the other team's goalie like the kid line. And that's, that's how I look at that, Steve. I, I just think uh-huh. they, it's a juggernaut of problems. Uh-huh. What do you think, Carl? So, so actually, you know, I was this is not one of the questions I had written down, but it was something that I was thinking about last week, and it's sort of the weird, I guess, push and pull of hockey coaches, you know, because you know a good amount of these guys, especially the guys in the top line, have been together now for what three years? Is it good about that? But I'm thinking about Kreider, Panarin, Zibanejad, mm-hmm. you know, those guys have. Kind of, you know, in, in some combination, probably had one, one of the guys that's mixing. So they've been together for this long that you would think, like, why are line changes needed? And then I saw, I saw, I think it was Larry Brooks who had the story the other day, I think it was last week, where last season Gallant sent 79 different forward combinations. <laughs> um, and this year, through 40, at least through 49 games at the time that it was written, it had had, no, 47 games, he had, um, sent out 49 different versions. So this has sort of continued now basically pretty consistently for two years, regardless of who the guys have been uh, on, on the ice. So I keep wondering, like, does, does chemistry – how, how should I phrase this? Should – does chemistry come from guys being consistent or the opposite? Like, he's looking for something. 
But he mm-hmm. doesn't seem to mm-hmm. be able to find it, so he's trying to create it. And I think we talked about this the last time when we were chatting right around the quarter pole of the season when the team, you know, seemed like they were discombobulated. And, you know, one of the fans sort of cries at the time when, when teams are not playing well on the ice is, well, you've got to mix it up. You've got you to gotta change up the lines. You've got to figure out something. And I, I, I've, I've always sort of come to the conclusion that I don't think a coach can create chemistry. I think that just kind of has to happen organically on mm-hmm. its own. And if it doesn't happen, it just doesn't happen. And I know coaches try to force it, thinking that, ooh, if I just put this player with this player, it'll, it'll all work out. But most times that usually doesn't really happen. You know, the guys can either play with each other or they can't. And I, he's trying. He hasn't found the right mix. The trade deadline's probably going to have to, you know, Figure this, figure this out. But the money issue is a big factor this time, much probably much more than last year. And so he's mm-hmm. going to try. It's probably not going to work its way out the way he's thinking. And we're just going to kind of have to live with the results. Yeah, yeah. I agree with well, that. Well, I read a com- I read a comment by him. I think it was this week, uh, saying that you know I don't want to change lines as much as I do. Coaches don't want to change lines as much as I do, which seem to, to me to kind of be putting the onus on the players that, you know, they're not developing the chemistry that he'd like to see. But, again, like you say, Carl, I mean, that many different line combinations, and, and I'd like to know how many times he's tried different line combinations again and again, and, and he, he's not finding what he wants. Um, I mean, the way – you know I'm a proponent of keeping lines together and giving them time to gel. Um, I mean, I, I what I see with the personnel that they have right now is, I mean, I'm convinced you got to keep the kids together. I mean, and give them second line minutes and give them more time on the power play. Uh, they're clearly the most effective line most nights for this team. So, you know, I, I've wanted to, you know, move uh, Lafreniere maybe up to the first line. Kaka was on the first. I think you just got to keep them together at this point, and let's just settle that that's what that line is. Um, and then I think as far as the the, uh, the first line goes, you're going to have Mika up there, obviously. Uh, I think Panarin's going to stay there because you're not going to drop him down to the third line. And I think that the, the biggest need on this team right now is uh, they're going to have to find someone to play a, a right wing to play on that first line because, you, you know, it's great having guys like Goudreau and VZ who you can run up and down the lineup, have that versatility, but, you know, they're really bottom six guys. And just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to or, or really want to. So, I mean, I think Goudreau and, and, and VZ are, you know, third line, fourth line guys, that's going to leave you with Trocek, Ryder, and whoever on on the right wing. And I think Drury is going to have to go out at the deadline and uh, find somebody to, to play right wing on that first line. Because, you know, we talked about having an, another defenseman and everything too, but I'm I'm starting to feel comfortable enough with Harper that, you know, maybe the, 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 the six defensemen are, are kind of set. If you can go out and get uh, – you know, uh, depending on the cap and, uh, you know, if, if it doesn't cost too much, do you want to go out and get a veteran defenseman like they did last year? Fine, as, as a seventh defenseman, that's fine with me. But I think the biggest need on this team right now, and it's glaring, 
is uh, a first-line right wing. So, uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, he'll, he'll be able to solidify the lines if they do that. I think right now he's just trying to plug that, that right wing gap with anybody, and it's kind of a domino effect with uh, all the rest of the lines. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that, um, Glenn, because the last couple of games, they kept the young guys together, and that, and that was something I've been saying about a month ago about Lafreniere. Why was you playing him at right wing? You, he's really a left wing at his natural position, mm-hmm. and they, and I think they were trying to play him at a position out of uh, need or necessity to, to to move guys around the line. But the time for that is over, man. Like they're doing mm-hmm. the right thing, playing the, the right guys, the right combination is what's been carrying them. It's an energetic line: Lafreniere, Hedo, Cackle. They're at the right natural positions, and it works. This is why Hedo's been having nice little bursts here and there the last couple of weeks because he's, he's because things open up for him. Because if you want to draw attention to either of the wings, it's going to open up the center, like coming down the, and they got mm-hmm. enough speed to get it. They have enough speed and they have physicality, especially off year, to get the job done, especially in the corners, keeping things in the offensive zone, coming off a break. It, 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 and it's been the most efficient out of all the combinations over the last month, basically. But especially in the last couple of games, even with the one loss versus Toronto versus uh, or, or even the game versus the Golden Knights, um, that line actually in particular played well. Um, I, I want to go back to one Thing I saw in the uh, Toronto game, and uh, it, I, never, I haven't seen this if not in, in a long time ever. The uh, face-off goal by Hedo, how impressive was that, huh? RP, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Carl and Glenn, was what was great. your thoughts on that when that happened? You know, um, uh, with that, with Hedo, that, uh, Hedo, that face-off goal. Yeah, Hedo said when he went to the dot, he saw the goalie standing up, and he said right there he knew he was going to take the shot. And mm-hmm. he just got it clean and got right through the five hole. He said he just, when he went into the dot, he, he glanced up and the goalie was, didn't look square. Nice. And he said, I was just going to try it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's become one of my favorite ranges this year. And I know Zimbabwe, <laughs> yeah. that, kid, that kid plays and you can feel the joy when he scores a goal. Like, he's legitimately just thrilled when he scores and he, He's, he's gotten to the level, you know, it's been six years and, and a lot of ups and downs. Patience with something Ranger fans aren't used to, any organization for that matter. But Peter's the example, if you bring a kid up the right way, this is where he should be. And, uh, mm-hmm. man, that, that was a great goal. Before somebody else goes, I want to say something about that real quick, because that's exactly my point. Lafreniere needs to be at left one, because the whole knock with Hedo from, oh, I would call it not, but the criticism, like you had him at left wing, all those, you know, when he first came up, when we drafted him, mm-hmm. we brought him up. Remember, Elias Anderson was playing a lot of center at that time. and and But they're both kind of centers. Like, Hedo is better at center than he is at the wing. Like, he's more effective. Yeah. So when you finally got him more reps and more time on the ice and more shifts at center, you're going to get more production. It's naturally going to come. And that's what you're seeing with Hedo this season. It should be the same for Lafreniere after, after the All Star break. It should be the same. He's a smart hockey. He's a smart hockey player. Very smart and physical. Yeah, I mean Lafreniere is clearly more comfortable on the left wing. Uh, Without and that a doubt. Line has, and that line has had chemistry now for a couple of years. Uh, so I don't know why you would want to break that line up. I mean, you got uh, you know Kako who can hold on to the to the puck and. and Dig it out in the corners. Uh, you got Lafreniere, who's a high-energy guy, and uh, Heedle, who's becoming a goal scorer. So, I mean, you have all the elements of a good line. 
And I don't know why you would want to break that up. Um, uh, just to answer your question, Steve, uh, the first thought I had when I saw that goal was I flashed mm-hmm. back to Craig McTavish and Bure taking that, that last face-off with 1.6 seconds left. <laughs> and, 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 and being the Ranger fan that I was, visualizing that, that exact thing happening, that you, know, you, you, couldn't, you, you couldn't feel safe yet. Um, but I remember J.D. talking about, you know, Bure is going to try to, uh, you know, get it on net. McTavish is going to have to tie him up. When I saw that goal, that, that's what I flashed back to, that, that mm-hmm. face-off when they won the cup. And it just reminded me of that. Carl, did you see that beautiful goal? It was tremendous. When I, saw, when I first thought, I was like, wait, I had to, like, blink my eyes. Did <laughs> I just see what I just saw? <laughs> <laughs> what it what it happened, yeah. but you know that was that was a tremendous play. And I, as I was mentioning earlier, you know he's a guy that is, and we talked about this the last time I was, there, you know, guys putting in the work. You know, sometimes, you know, not everybody develops at the same pace. It's like school. You know, not everybody learns at the same level. You know, some guys, some people may take a little bit longer than others. Um, but you know, Heedle has done a tremendous. Because remember, going into the postseason last year, he was playing okay, he's playing well, but then he elevated his game in the postseason. We didn't know how that was going to carry over, whether or not that was just nothing more than a 20-game sort of sample of, you know, just overperformance, or if that would be something that would carry over into the season. And it has carried over into the season. He's gotten better each and every time you see him on the ice. And that actually led to a question that I had as one of the questions that came up, and you actually mentioned it, uh, RP, but let's, since I've, I thought I thought Scott was going to be here tonight with us, but he's not. So, but I'll, I'll, let me ask you guys this question: How does I'm going to put the coach and the GM as, as sort of co-managers in this situation? How do they politically manage the issue regarding Trochik and Heedle? Because right now, Heedle's playing at a much, 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 much better level than Trochik is, but getting about six to seven less minutes a game. Um, how with the contract that exists for Trocheck, how does the coach and the GM sort of navigate that sort of tricky water? Because I don't see a scenario where they just say, "Hey, uh, hey Vince, you know, we're we're just going to drop you down here in in terms of deployment." I, I don't see that happening. But I feel like the time has come where Hedl has earned more time on the ice, and if he doesn't get that time on the ice he will find it from another team that's going to be able to offer him that sort of um, opportunity. And I'm trying to figure out how they balance that because I don't see Heedle being basically a third-line player for his career with the Rangers, nor do Mm -mm. I see Trocek being an $8 million third-line player. One of these two things has to give somehow. Well, I'll jump on that one. I already think you've seen that drop, though, Carl. The last three games – Heedle's line and Trocek's line has played just about the same amount of ice time, between 15, 16 minutes a game per player. I think over the last three games, the effectiveness of the Heedle line, the coaching staff has recognized we have to get the more ice time. And when that happens, who, whose ice time gets sacrificed? It was Trocek, Goodrow, and Vesey's line. And over the last couple of games, you see that. Now, I know contracts in this day and age normally mean more playing time and more ice time. And Trocek has a no-move contract, and he still has one, two, three, four, five, six more years left on his contract. 
25, 26 a year. But the, the flip side to that is you've got to play the guys that are scoring the goals, getting the points, playing better defense, better forechecking, and it's Heedle's line for now. Mm-hmm. There were rumors going, but we'll get to that in a minute. So I, I, to answer your question, I think for whatever reason and how it came about in a very subtle way, they're rewarding Heedle and, and they're relying on Heedle's line more and you can see it in the time on ice because I was Mm -hmm. looking at that the last couple of games. I don't think, at least the last two games, that you could say Heedle's line was the third line. In my eyes, Trocek's line was the third line. I think Mm -hmm. Heedle's line was out there when when the coach wanted that spark uh, after a goal. Heedle's line is the third, uh, is the second power play unit for the whopping 20 seconds, 25 seconds that they get. But nonetheless, they're out there. And I think you're seeing from the three of those players what all the fans have been waiting for, that, that next step, that boys to men kind of thing they're all teasing about, I, I think that's what you're seeing now. So, you know something? Trocek may have to be a $5 million third-line player, and he's also, you know, the number one power play man, and he's also going to get his opportunities to play when the team's behind. You know, it, it's a team effort. And mm-hmm. the coaching staff has to play the players that are doing the job better. And, and more consistent, and I think you're going to start seeing that more and more from the kid line. Mm-hmm. You know, n- nothing frustrates me more in any sport than to see a, a guy continue to be deployed uh, in critical situations or moved up uh, in the in a, on the lines or whatever it may be because of his salary. If the guy is now look. I liked Ryan Strom, but you know I felt that Trocek was an upgrade. We've watched his whole career. Uh, I've always liked him as a player. Uh, but, you know, if we're worried about Trocek's feelings, well, what about Chris Carter's feelings? He's on the third line, too. And, you know, frankly, I think if you're either of them, it's not like you're playing with a couple of schlubs. I mean, if you're – if you're Trocheck and you're playing with Kreider and uh, Goudreau, let's say, or Vizi, what's wrong with that? I mean, he's still going to get first-line power play time. Um, he's still going to probably get, you know, penalty killing time. He's going to be out there taking face-offs in critical situations. Um, and, and it just frustrates me to say, well, you know, he's making so much money uh, and he's on the third line. Well, so what? Uh, he's still contri- got a, a, you know, a, uh, a possibility or a probability of contributing to the team in that role. And, you know, maybe I'm old school. I like to think that guys uh, just worry about the team and winning and don't worry, you know, about their salary and, and who they're playing with. So maybe I'm off base there. But, um, you know, I, I would I would say that just as much about Chris Kreider. I mean, Trocek is here, you know, a half a season. Kreider's been here for 10 years, and he's finding himself on the third line. Um and, uh, you know, I, I just think that, you know, that third line is still going to be a, a very important line for this team. And, uh, you know, it, it, it should be evident to everybody that the, the, uh, the most effective line on this team, at least for the last month and really, you know, over the course of uh, the last couple of years is, is the kids. So they got to get, you know, second line ice time, even if it's kind of similar to what the third line gets. Um, but, 
you know, I mean, I, I think if you're the coach, you got to look at, uh, you know, the coach is worried about winning because the coach is going to lose his job if they don't. And hopefully the relationship that Gallant has with Trocek when they were together in Florida can maybe kind of help, uh, you know, ease that a little bit too, that it's not, you know, somebody like Tortorella saying, you know, my way or the highway. Um, I mean, Gallant is a coach's, uh, a player's coach. And, you know, he's got a previous relationship with Trocek, so I'm hoping that will uh, kind of smooth things over. But I think you got to do, you know, what you got to do as far as trying to win and not look at the, the salaries that guys are making. True. Very true. Um, um, I guess – go ahead, Steve. You, you want to comment uh, that? And then we'll go on to some yeah, uh, I mean, other interesting uh, news. I mean, we have we got to look at it like this in a vacuum, where we went from to where we are right now. Um, I still believe Vincent Trocek in his first year as a Ranger still has value uh, for the rest of the season coming off this All-Star break. And, and I think all Ranger fans will agree that it was still the right move to go in the direction of Vincent Trocek and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and let Ryan Schoen go. I mean, even looking at the numbers this season – uh, Trocek, if it wasn't for Trocek, the Rangers would be bottom of the league in face-off wins. I mean, still, that's still important. And he's actually had some key face-offs even in this month to uh, finish off victories for the Rangers. Um, Vincent Trocek is, what, 17th in face-off in the entire NHL. This is not bad. It's still pretty good. He's at 56.5% in face-off win percentage. If it wasn't for him, the Rangers would be bottom of the league. The Rangers are 21st as a team. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, if you look at total points, uh, he's you know, if you want you know, a lot of people don't believe in the minus, the plus minus. I mean, he's you know, I, I still take it with a grain of salt. An old school stat, uh, his plus minus is way better than Strom's this year. Strom's on a bad team and it's minus 20, where where Trocha's is minus seven. It's like tripled him, going in the wrong direction. Uh, yep. So. I give it time. Look, come on, the Rangers are on a break, uh, All Star break. When they come back, uh, hopefully, you know, there may be some mental rest that him and other te- his teammates need to go for a stronger second half of the season. Um, it's not where Rangers players were expecting. You know, they wanted more because of the salary, but when you really look at it in a vacuum, it's definitely still an upgrade on what we have. I, I mean, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that based off the, you know, just what we wanted him for. We wanted that was the number one thing. Oh, we finally got a guy who can win faceoffs. Well, hell, he's top twenty in the entire NHL. That's still damn good. We we need that. He's the, he's the mm-hmm. best one on our team. That <laughs> you know. And then on top of that, right. um, uh, listen, there's another point that we got to go without saying. Let that kid in, let that kid line be the energy line. They have the fewest tread on the tires. They're the youngest. I'm talking about Lafayette, Capo, Hito. You know, let them get the brunt of the minutes because they are a second line right now. They have enough experience to take on that role, and they're going to keep in us in a lot of games this year. They're going to keep, and shit. They, they, Hito by himself kept us in that Toronto game as bad as we played. So it will. I believe it will come around, RPU, as far as Vincent Trocha, as far as what we want out of him. Uh, you know, we, unfortunately, and to answer Carl's question, as far as uh, the political stuff, the only way it gets it's going to get messed up is if somebody gets injured on one of those two lines, and then you're really going to have to do some real reshuffling. Let's just hope that situation does not happen. 
But as of right now, mm-hmm. I think let let it let it let it play its course. I think um, he, he he he's a professional. Florida, he was on Florida, he was on Carolina. I think he will turn it around. I, I, I'm not really worried about his game right now. Let's uh, let's move to some interesting news. I'm sure everyone heard about the Islander trade yesterday. They acquired Bo Horvat for Aturati, Anthony Belvier, and a 2023 mm-hmm. conditional protected first round pick. Right now, it looks like they overpaid if they sign him. And it's probably a pretty damn good trade for the Islanders, but that's a big if because supposedly per Horvat, they haven't even discussed an extension. I mean, the guy's playing in Vancouver his whole life, and now he's coming to Long Island, so who knows how that's going to shake out. Now that the ball has begun rolling for trades and the trade down line coming up, let, let me ask you guys a question, and this is, this is quick. I'm going to go around fast. In order for the Rangers to make any trade, do you think it has to include a current roster player? Really quick, yes or no, Steve? Depending on how major the trade, I'm going to say no. Call? Yes, but I don't know who. That's the issue. Okay, right. That's, now, a, that's a great area. Gotcha. Glenn? <laughs> Glenn? Depends on who it is. I mean, if it's... Right. Uh, no, 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 Patrick no. Do you... If it's Patrick Kane, no, probably not. Get... I mean, probably draft picks and prospects will do it. If it's uh, somebody oh, else, then it depends, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would I say no. I don't know that they even need to go to a caliber of some of the players that we've heard uh, on the rumor mill. So I would say no, mostly because I would be a proponent of probably not doing that. Because anyone you would give up on the active roster, I don't think is going to net you much. So if we're talking about wow, somebody, you guys, you guys are thinking with your with your feelings and not with the business. Yeah, let me <laughs> yeah, throw some right. little stats at you guys. No, it, it's the truth, and I'm I'm the same way. But at the end of the day, I want to win a cup. I want to get deep in the playoffs. Right now, if you look at the Rangers lineup, boys: Panarin, Zavanajad, Kreider, Trocheck, Goudreau. I'm just going to go with the forwards because it's not going to be defensemen. All have no move clauses or modified mm-hmm. no trade clauses. Those right. guys aren't going anywhere. No one is really looking at decisions, Gutierrez, VC, for the most part. That leaves you with the kid line, and I think mm-hmm. we can all agree of those three, Hedo is untouchable. Mm-hmm. It leaves you with Kraftstoff, Danny Blaze. I don't see the Rangers making a trade for someone else's top roster players without losing one of those guys, at least. I didn't mention Lieber Hayek because for some reason, the Rangers like him and the capacity of what he's doing, which is nothing, but they were afraid to put him on waivers. He's not coming up in any trade talks, so I don't know what's that. So my point here is, for me to answer the question, is I don't see them making any trade without a current roster spot, even Kane. Because everyone's put such a high value on him, even if it's inaccurate. The value for Kane is so high right now. There was a rumor going today, and I couldn't confirm it, and I hate to even spread rumors because you guys know how I hate trade rumors. But that the Chicago Blackhawks asked for either Lafreniere, Kako, and a first-round pick for Kane. And i got to tell you, I have more trouble with Kako and Lafreniere in the conversation 
than the first-round pick because this year's NHL draft is not what the last three or four have been. Also, depending on where the Rangers come in, obviously, it's probably going to be a pick from 17 down. It may or may not hurt them as much. And for the record, I am not one that wants Patrick King wearing a Rangers sweater. I think we've gone through many, many years of getting someone who's on the other end of their contract who's really good on a power play, but is on the end of his time to, to, to come over. I'm, I was hoping the Rangers would be on doing that with all the depth and, and so forth that they have. So I was just wondering, and, and you guys answered it, where do you think – well, let's ask around. Where do you think they go if they want to make a trade? How is it going to go about between the salary cap issues? They should have about $6 million at the trade deadline if everything stays the same on there on their route to 6.7 with deadline cap space. Can they make a trade and keep the team in, not intact? Can they make a trade and keep the kid line intact is what I want to know. Highly unlikely. Um, mm-hmm. I, that was actually one of the questions that I had written down for tonight. Um, ah, great minds. Earlier, great minds. Yes. <laughs> Because I asked the question I had written down here, I said, I said, based on the current cap constraints and the current roster as it stands right now, would the, what would be more vital, shoring up the defense or finding a top six player on the right side that can balance out the lineup? And I feel like the cost of the, of the upfront player uh, on offense is going to cost far more than shoring up the defense. And I'm thinking now the Rangers have had an unbelievably – um, good fortune in terms of health with the top four defensemen that they have deployed the last two seasons. I don't mm-hmm. know how long that is going to continue because logic would tell yeah. you that at some, you know, you usually don't get two full years, you know, regular season and 20 playoff games without something happening. And right. like, I feel like the bills come and do soon. You, you hope that doesn't happen, yeah. but, I feel like, you know, you might want to have that part covered just in case, and I feel like that might be the better route than going for the offense and and trying to hit the home run. Like if the Rangers were a Pat Kane away from winning the championship, you know, I'm sure Tampa Bay's mm-hmm. made a move like that before. Some of these other big teams in the past have made, you know, uh, I remember the Blackhawks traded for Brad Richards one year when we thought he was sort of on the decline, but he sort of, you know, no, who's the guy? There was a guy that they had gotten on. Um, I think it was Carolina. It was one year that they won the cup. They had made a trade for, for, for you know, just a, as a guy that they needed like one extra dude to push them, you know, to, to you know, to win the cup, and it, and it and it worked out. But I don't feel like even if you put Patrick Kane on the Rangers tomorrow, does that mm-hmm. make everything yeah. sort of whole? Because if the answer is no, then that's a lot of resources you are giving away to yeah. potentially do something, but you're not really sure that it, that it sort of completes the whole puzzle. I agree with that 100%. What, what mm-hmm. do you got, Glenn? Well, see, what, what you're talking about, though, is between the guys with the, move, with the no-move clauses and the kid line, yeah. who's left that you're really going to net someone of, uh, of that level? Uh, somebody wants to take a chance on Kravtsov. I don't know that he's shown enough. Uh, 
you know, like you said, Sammy Blay. Nobody's really seeming to be that interested in Gautier, although I, I think he's a good player that could help uh, a team that's building. Um, but, you know, if, if you – like you say, if you think they're at a point right now where they can win a cup this year um, and Patrick Kane can put you over the top, you know, I mean, I go back to Tony Amante uh, back in 94. Uh, it worked out, but – you know, Tony Monti wound up and going having a really great career, and I'd be real disappointed to see a Kako or a Lafreniere really blossom, and Kako is starting to blossom already uh, for the next 10, 12 years in another uniform. Uh, so, I, I mean, if that's what it's going to cost for Patrick Kane, and it might because he might be in demand from a lot of teams. Uh, you know, I look at the kid line, I look at Othman and Cully and some of the other guys that they've got. I mean, this is a team that's going to hopefully continue uh, a successful run after these guys uh, like, you know, Panarin and, and, and Mika and Kreider, um, you know, start having less production. So I'm not really – I would be really disappointed if they moved anyone uh, between Lafreniere, Kako, and, and Hedl is untouchable. Um, and when you look at what's left, I don't know, you know, what they're going to get. I mean, it, it may wind up being, uh, you know, a, a Frank Vitrano type again uh, that they pick up uh, somebody on that, you know, on a on a second level uh, to play that right wing, which which might be good enough. But uh, I'm really not wanting to, uh, you know, give up the kids' picks. First round pick, you know, fine. Like you say, if the Rangers are successful, it's going to be a, a bottom third first round pick. Uh, if somebody wants a, you know, a Gautier or Kravtsov or uh, some other prospect that we don't think there's going to be room for, Hayek, um, then fine. But um, you know, I, I I don't want to be trading uh, guys that I think are going to be a big part of the future to get somebody for three weeks in a playoff run. I, I really don't want to do that. Well, Steve, what Glenn, do you think? Glenn, if, can I, can I, Go ahead, Carl. Can I uh, ask, Glenn, if, if the Rangers had Boston's record right now, would we be having this conversation or would we be still, would, be, would we be sort of addressing the potential Patrick Kane acquisition differently than where they currently stand today? You know, Carl, I mean, my, my, my first inclination would be probably not. Um, you know, you look at Boston, and, you know, they've lost a couple of games now. They're, I don't want to say they're coming back to earth, but even just losing a couple of games is coming back to earth with them. Um, but I think they're pretty well set. We talked about last week where you've got Taylor Hall playing on the third line. Um, you know, so I, I think if you're if you're looking at a team like that that's got the record that they have, then – no, I mean, you know, I, I think Boston might make a couple of trades, you know, around the fringes, bottom six. To, I mean, they've got so much depth already. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, my inclination would be, uh, uh, well, again, it depends. You know, if you got a record like that, you really think you got a chance to win a cup. So maybe you do go for that, you know, big-time uh, reinforcement. Um, so that's kind of a hard – question to, yeah, to answer for me but but I, I don't want to give I, I just don't want to give up I, I want to have a long run I don't want to have happen and, and mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a different scenario but I don't want to happen what happened in 94 where you know 
you, you trade some some kids. They traded Todd Marchant, who had an okay career, obviously Amante, and then you see what happened a couple of years after that, where there was just a playoff drought, where, where the older guys got older and they couldn't do anything with them, and then you know we we sat watching the playoffs for seven years, um, you know. So I, I've right. got scars from that. I don't want to have that happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, so true. And then we yeah, went on Yarimer Yager, who at that point I thought was done too, and he obviously was not. So yeah. you know, no, I, no, I am with Glenn. Um, and RP, you asked a very good question about Boston. I think it was last week, right? You know, what, what did it take to beat Boston? And my thoughts was always they could always come back down to earth. And to Glenn, what he said, they had those three losses. Not tough teams. Don't get it twisted. You know. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. Uh, Florida could be spotty, and then they had to go to play Carolina, so it's not necessarily, you know, running the mill. They, those right. are some good right. hockey teams when they really want to play. So Boston is Boston. Um, I will say this. Uh, everybody, you know, I'm not, you know, RP, I'm with you, if not even times 10. I'm anti-rumor mill when it comes to this. I just look at it as far as what we need versus speculation mm-hmm. on contracts. But everybody was focused on – uh, Timo Meyer and, and Patrick Kane. Now, if you were to go that route, and the rain, now this is if the general manager firmly believes they are on the doorstep of uh, a piece away, and they'll give up a guy. Uh, why not a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, who's an unrestricted free agent, a Stanley Cup winner, go. three years younger than Kane? But, huh? I was gonna say, there you go, Tarasenko. He's three years younger than Kane. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. If that's if the Rangers believe they're knocking on the door. I am still. I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of. I, I say yes and no. I say yes in the fact that we know that when the Rangers want to play, they kind of been injury skate free. They could be anybody in this league. But I also mm-hmm. say, look at the West. The West is not as strong. Colorado's come back down to earth because of those injuries, and we've beaten every team in the West. So it's really about like RP asked last week, or was it two weeks ago? RP about Boston. If you get out of the East, we, you, I think the East is going to win this year. Because the West, to me, unless somebody gets crazily hot, like, I don't fear anybody in the West this year. Not this year. Everybody feared Colorado for obvious reasons. But I mean, are we talking about right. Seattle, who's kind of, I don't know, came out of nowhere? Are we talking about Vegas, who we just beat? Who are we talking about in the West? We, uh, Minnesota, Winnipeg, all those other teams. There's really nobody out there. Everybody's literally in the East. And we've mm-hmm. kind of – it's really in and out of this gauntlet. If you think about adding a piece just to get out of the East, but also at that same time, what Glenn said with the scars, like you really want to set this back. I kind of want to play the long game. I think the Rangers' defense over – statistically, the defense has been subpar, but over the last month, it's been better. They've done – they've just – like the Boston game, the Montreal game, the Toronto game, they had that game. And they just couldn't hold the lead. They, I think they could play better hockey, man. I think we could find a way to make a run and pull up, pile on some wins, leapfrog Jersey, and then run our chances in the. Uh, like you said, RP, you said it best to me a couple of weeks ago. And I agree with you. Like, the salary cap kind of put a lot of restraints on what we could do, like we, unlike we did last year. Sometimes you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Man. So I'm, I'm playing the long game with Glenn on this one, man. Yeah, I. I I agree with all yours really quick before we go to final thoughts, but I don't see how the team can get better if you're not willing to trade someone off the kid mine. And it sucks, but if we're all in agreement that this team needs to improve to take the next step to get deeper into the playoffs, 
and all the other teams know that. I don't think they'd be able to make a trade at the deadline unless it's a minor deal without giving up someone off that line. I just yeah. don't see it happening. Whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, a minor, whether it's Kane, you know, not a Tereschenko. You probably get away with maybe a Kravstov and, and, and a couple of picks or something like that. I think Kravstov just needs a, another organization to play for. Whether it would succeed or not, it's something else. But I find it very hard. I always say whenever you want to make a trade, you want to be better than what you had before the trade. And for any team to make a trade with the Rangers and to be better, it's got to include a roster player. I mean, the Rangers are not going to give up on Offman. They're not going to give up a Will Coley. They're not going to give up any of the top forward prospects in, in the organization. So that, that's not going to be – so if you're not willing to give up those guys and then you're not willing to give up the kid line, anyone on the kid line, then I don't see how you're going to make a trade to get better. So they're in a very unique spot where he's really going to have to walk a fine line, Drury, mm-hmm. of which way to do it to make the team better, not just now, but for the next couple mm-hmm. of years. And I don't think it's Kane anyway, but that's just my, mm-hmm. my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree uh, with that. Well, um, oh, RP, let me, ask, let me ask you a question. I mean, if, if you think that uh, – you know, you don't want to move a Kako. You don't want to move a Lafreniere. Why, why would the Rangers be more willing to move one of them than not counting Cully or, or Osman? Uh, why wouldn't they be more willing to move one of their top prospects who, you know, maybe you're not that sure about? Uh, and why would they want to move Lafreniere or Kako uh, ahead of one of those? I don't think they would want to move a Lafreniere and Kako. I think the terms demand a roster player if you're trading a Kane or a Meyer, yeah. you know, if the Rangers were going to be involved in a deal for, for Bo Harbach that the Islanders just picked up, they went out and Belvedere and, and, and Retay what would you rouse the players with? It, it's mm-hmm. going to be a rouse to play. You're not going to get a top tier six forward for yeah. for draft picks or for guys that as great as we're all seeing Opperman is, until he plays in the NHL and does what he does where he is now, you don't, you mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. So is another team going to be willing to, you know, we saw how great, and I'm not knocking how great Kako played international hockey and in Finland and all, and here he's just having trouble adapting to teams to fat, whatever the reason may be. He's not where we thought he would be. Teams aren't going to take that chance, and they know. Remember, the other teams know where the Rangers are and where they want to be. They're not going to help them get there. Yeah. They're, they're not going to help them get there. And, you know, like we keep saying, the contracts are horrible. All these no move, no trade clauses kind of tied you up. Even if the Rangers decided the Trocheck wasn't the deal, and they wanted to get another center, you can't move him now anyway. I mean, it's a limited yeah. trade, but it, it's very hard to do with his salary. All the teams that he would want to go to are, are at the cap, so I, I don't know where they're going to go with it. But to, to answer that, that that's why it, it's just what okay. the trade demands are, are calling for right now. All right, so Steve, we're going to go to a quick final thoughts. It's almost nine o'clock, correct, buddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Carl, you want to start us off, bud? Yeah. Hey, good to hear from you guys all again. I'll be back again just before uh, we get another twenty, twenty games to start. So mid March. You know, Rangers got an interesting schedule. I was looking at the, the way the second half is kind of deployed, and they've got this road trip. Obviously, that's going to come up with they've got the six of the seven on the road. But then, if I'm if I have this correct, in about right around the latter part of March. They play the Penguins three times in a week, and then they play Carolina twice, back-to-back games. And so as, as we look at where they're standing in the, in the position right now at, at third, you know, catching the Devils, 
making up six points is going to be really hard. So they just might sort of just be locked into their spot right now and just have to just sort of avoid that they don't get tripped up from behind. Um, I think that's probably the, the best thing. I think that their job probably now the rest of the way is to just keep that three spot, maybe try to challenge for the two if you can get there, but just make sure you don't get tripped up from behind um, and have that situation where you're, you know, you know, you're in that wild card position. And then to say goodbye, I guess I would – you guys were just talking. I guess that would lead to that multiple choice question I was going to ask. Uh, the Rangers, as currently constructed, are A, B, or C. A, legit cup contender. B, fringe cup contender. Or C, a second round team at best. Have at it. Ooh. Wow. Uh, you guys are going to hate me, but right now I think they're C. I really do. I think they're a poor defensive team, and when you get into the playoffs with the top teams in the NHL, I think they're going to pick them apart. I don't know if Chesterkin will have the run that he had last year. Kreider's not having the offense that he had last year. I I just don't see them on the fringe of a Stanley Cup run. Not now. Not with it being the way it is. I know. Everybody hates Ranger Proud now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, because actually, you know what, RP? I'd give them like a C plus B minus. Um, what we've seen. So now, now, now the playoffs last year came out of nowhere. You know, I mean, they had a good season. We knew that they, uh, you know, were relying on the power play, which hasn't been as great this year. And Igor, who's been great, but not, you know, what he was last year either. And, uh, you know, that playoff run kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, with how strong the uh, – East is this year, I'm not sure that they can replicate that. Uh, you know, they, they very well might not have beaten Pittsburgh if it wasn't for Crosby getting knocked out. Uh, so, you know, they kind of just went on a run from there and uh, really came out of nowhere. But right now, with, with what I've seen from this team, I just haven't seen the same quality of play on a consistent basis that would make me think that they can uh, win a, a seven-game series against a lot of these teams in the East. I mean, we touched on last week, and uh, Carl just kind of mentioned it, that they want to make sure they stay in the top three so that, uh, you know, you're not catching Boston in the first round. Uh, but, uh, you know, at, at this point, and, and I'll include this as kind of my final thoughts too, because I'm starting to look ahead. Uh, if they really are locked in, in in the 2-3 with the Devils, I'm worried about that series. Because, uh, you know, the the – in the games this year, the Devils have just seemed to want it more. Um, you know, with the the speed that the Devils have and the way they play, and uh, the way the season that Jack Hughes is having, um, I, I'm I'm looking at uh, ahead at a first round series between the Devils, and I'm not sure if I'm scared or excited or or both. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I don't disagree with you too much, RP. I think a C plus B minus is where they're sitting right now depending on, you know, if we see some more consistency in the play and who they pick up at the deadline. Right. Steve? <laughs> yeah, uh, for my final thoughts, um, guys, a tough crowd, man. Tough crowd, man. <laughs> I'm going to lean I'm going to lean closer to B than C. Um, if you look at the Rangers for the whole season and you want to say they're a subpar defensive team, I will agree with you. But I got to look at this thing in segments. Their defense have been, has been better the last month than it's been the whole entire season. So do you believe they can't keep it up? Or do you believe uh, they just got hot with the defense or better with the defense is going to come back crashing down? 
we're just going to have to wait and see on that. Because out of the whole entire month, the only game I say that was just straight up trash was the Montreal game. Every game, they won it or they got sort of got outplayed a couple of b- bad bounces and it just didn't go their way. Uh, the Jersey game, they, they had that game in the, in the grass. We'll give Boston. Boston kind of had outplayed them. They, that's probably the main game that got totally outplayed. Toronto, even being outplayed, they were in the lead. They just could have finished them off defensively. But they had a good month. They did beat Carolina. They did beat Dallas. They did beat Minnesota. These are top teams in the West, and they've actually done well against them all, uh, all season. You know, in, in both the games that they played. Uh, my final thoughts. Um, you know, because we'll be back on next Tuesday because uh, we'll already played uh, Calgary. On Monday, uh, we'll come back on at eight o'clock. But uh, you know, as far as Cully uh, in his debut, uh, first of all, congratulations for him going to the 2023 um, AHL All Star Game. For, you know, for the Wolfpack. You know, because we know his story. You know how he uh, how he got drafted uh, as the 60th pick. But um, before that, he had his his stretch uh, with uh, with Ontario. Uh, before that, you know, before the Rangers drafted him, I didn't know his debut, you know, he thought the physicality, he had the fight, you know, he had four hits in like six minutes, and then he had played a, a little bit over six minutes on that bottom line versus Vegas, not bad, the physicality was nice to see. Um, I think next week uh, I had a lot of notes on the OHL because of the circuit I wanted to bring up, but I'll bring that up next week on how guys down there on the other circuit is doing. But RP, man, I hand it back to you, man. It's a good conversation tonight, bro. Right, thank you. My, my quick final thoughts are, uh, Carl, I apologize. You gave us an A, B, a C answer, and you got B plus, A minus. So <laughs> we have trouble. We have a little bit of trouble following direction. Well, we're very, very indecisive. But uh, it was a good question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> bad move to the NHL. The only Seattle Kraken player in the All-Star game was injured, and they replaced them with someone not on the Seattle Kraken with the – way they're playing, that's what all that voting crap and, and so forth going on in this smaller format. But, man, you, you need to have a Seattle Kraken in the All-Star game. They're playing so well, and it, it's just a another way to get them on the map for more people to see what, you know, Seattle has. They're playing so well. I don't understand how they couldn't get another Kraken to, to, to get into the lineup, but that that is what it is. Uh, Keith Farmy, Forever Blue Shirts, Empire Sports Media. Uh, Steve, thanks for the opportunity to uh, run around with you guys. It's been fun, and uh, we'll talk next Tuesday. All right, bleed blue. Next Tuesday. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blue, 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 blue,